Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Millions of young graduates are job hunting right now. Lucky them, given the state of the economy, right? Well, it's a little more complicated than it might seem at first blush, as the pandemic lifts and different employment sectors bounce back unevenly. I'm excited to talk about the possibilities with Julie Lithcott-Hames, author of Your Turn, How to Be an Adult, and Matthew Stevenson of Snag a Job, and you. That's all coming up on Forum right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro, in for Mina Kim. Just graduated high school or college and looking for your first grown-up job? You know what I mean, your first career job. Even if you are looking in a hot job market like you are now, it can be a daunting prospect. And these are strange times as the pandemic lifts. Some employers can't get enough people on board fast enough. Others are hiring more carefully or not at all until their situation improves. So let's start with some wonderful experts we have on board this morning. Uh, Matthew Stevenson, CEO of Snagajob. A job search platform focused on hourly work. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, Matthew, tell us: is this a good time to be looking for hourly and entry level positions across the board? I think overall, if you're a teen or first time job seeker, this is really the dream scenario in which you should be looking for a job. 
you know, overall jobs are up 66% and the number of people looking for jobs is actually slightly down even versus last year or certainly versus pre-pandemic. And, and you know, is this across the board or, or are there specific places where it's better to look now or it's not better? So what we've seen is job growth is really pretty broad-based. Almost every single industry we see is having significantly more job openings than it did pre-pandemic. You know, for, you know, teens or first-time job seekers that may be in, out looking, like a couple in particular, so hospitality jobs, think like, you know, hotels, entertainment venues, those are up almost threefold. Same with warehousing and logistics. You know, almost every industry is really sort of uh, in dire need of workers at the moment. We also have with us today Julie Lithcott-Hames, former dean of freshmen and undergraduate advising at Stanford and author of Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. Julie, what a pleasure to speak with you again. Rachel, always wonderful to be in conversation with you. Thanks for having me. Well, we just heard from Matthew. There's good fishing out there in those waters. Uh, but let's let's look at it from another angle. If you haven't grown up with a burning desire to be something, I don't know, other than a basketball star or president of the United States or an astronaut, how do you go about figuring out what career is best for you? Well, first of all, uh, that's really normal. Many of us have no idea what we want to do. So let's normalize that and let's reduce the fear and anxiety around that. Um, then I would say you start anywhere and gather the data on how you feel in that job. You know, look at look at job listings, see what appeals to you, apply for things. If you get the job, try it out and notice, how am I feeling in this workplace? What do I like about this work? Um, every job is giving you data on yourself and on the industry in which you're working. And you're going to synthesize that data, think it through and decide, all right, do I want to stay? Is this a, a career that seems interesting? Do I like this type of work and the people who do it? Or do I not like it? Let me understand why. Let me pivot to something else in light of what I've learned. In other words, you're in a process of learning about yourself in the workplace. And you're not expected to kind of know all the answers about the workplace or about yourself right off the bat. You know, that's a very good point. And it, it raises an, another interesting point, which is that sometimes you might misstep or stumble in the beginning, and that doesn't mean you can't get up, dust yourself off, and try something else. You know, uh, to prime the pump for this segment, we talked to some young career builders, and, and I'm hoping everyone listens closely to this next story because it's it's a good reminder. You can start in one direction and then transition if things aren't working out. Robinson Antonio of San Ramon earned an associate's degree and dropped out of a four-year college. He was 24 years old, working as a valet when he heard about a program called Year Up and decided to apply. This is at Diablo Valley College. He was he went to this program earlier this year, earned a certification in internet technology, interned with DocuSign, and now works for Premier Talent Solutions as a technical systems and operations administrator. So, So listen to what he has to say. I never thought I would be able to even work in a corporate office to work in a building such as DocuSign and help out with the building at Salesforce. Um, my family didn't really come from much. Um, and I was the first person to go to college from my family. Um, you know, they're immigrants from the Philippines. And what I've learned within this program is that anything is possible as long as you put the time and work in. Um, and to network with one another is so important and valuable. Um, I've learned that time is much more important than money and 
you know, um, what you know now is much more important than sometimes a degree. And, and, and I feel like if you can go through a program and learn as much as possible and because um, we learned more than just IT, we learned how to be um, a valuable employee at a company. We learned how to talk to people, how to email and how to kind of go about your day um, and to kind of see what's important and what's not. Um, and through that, it kind of molded me. And throughout that time, I, I was, I'm not going to say immature, but I've matured so much from this program and I couldn't be more thankful for it. Julia, I just love this story. I mean, here's a guy, I mean, possibly because of his background, I know this was true for me and, and my parents, his, his, he wasn't set up to have his chin positioned so that he was looking at a high enough horizon. And so, but he found a program where they could help him realize how much he was capable of, of achieving and, and how high he could fly. Well, props to Robinson and to Diablo Valley College and the Europe program. That sounds amazing. And I'm happy for you, Robinson. And I think um, the bigger point you're illustrating is um, it's almost not about where you are working in your younger years. It's about how you are working wherever it is you are. Robinson mentioned you got to put in the time. You got to put in the work. You got to start to build your network. That means talking to people, taking an interest in them. Um, it's about accountability. He talked about how to talk to people. He hadn't learned that. And on this job, he, he really got that experience, how to email, how to respond. Owning your mistakes is something that, that I would add. And the importance of leading with kindness. Wherever you go in work, you are going to find humans. And I will tell any young person who's willing to listen, if you can be kind, intentionally kind to your fellow humans, that is the red carpet that leads you wherever it is you want to go. And particularly when we're starting out in, in the workforce, just being kind, hardworking, able to be accountable when you screw up, as we all do, that is going to get you far and really win you, um, you know, the, the praise and admiration of those higher ups who are then going to help you get to that next job. Matthew, you know, I, as I, I'm hearing Julie talk here, she she brings up a really good point. Even if you, you know, weren't born into a family with connections, wherever it is you want to go, uh, networking oftentimes means being a good human being, you know, maintaining good human relationships with everybody you come across with. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, you know, I mean, I hear time and time again from employers we work with, that what they care most about, uh, even more so now in the current sort of environment, is they care more about, you know, a person's attitudinal characteristics, right? Are they reliable? Do they work well in teams? Are they a good person? Are they customer service oriented? And those are, those are again, things that you can pick up, not just in sort of formal work, you can pick them up in school. It's just who you are as a person. That actually matters most. Most companies recognize like, they can train you on some of the functional things that you need to learn. Let's talk now to Alexa Delapara Ramirez, Content and Communications Coordinator at Autodesk. She comes from Pittsburgh, also recently completed the Year Up program at Diablo Valley College, now working full-time. Uh, Alexa, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So, so tell us a little bit about your early journey. How, you know, what did it take for you to end up where you are now at Autodesk? Well, similar to Robinson, I was um, in the Europe program, but before I was doing that, I was just working, you know, small retail jobs that I believe every young person starts off with to get their experience. And 
at some point I started to feel like I was kind of stuck like it was going to take forever for me to get to a point where I was going to feel true financial stability, true financial freedom, and it would take a four-year degree or more in order to get there. With the Europe program, I was able to learn all of the skills that I really needed in order to strive in a professional workplace. And as you guys say, a real, like real big time job. So I got the internship and I was lucky enough to have converted over to Autodesk and the support that I received there has been amazing. And I've honestly seen so much growth in myself and I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I had. Where, where do you see yourself going next? What's your five-year plan? Um, my main plan from here is to continue to grow my skills because even within this past uh, four months that I've been working full time, I've grown so much. I want to continue to grow my skills as for as far as I possibly can within this company and see what comes up next. Possibly, you know, move somewhere else. But right now, I'm trying to grow myself as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, Julia, one of the things that this brings up is is I I think a lot of people when they're just starting out. It's almost like they're they're looking for the one, the person they're planning to get married to. And and there may be more than one right answer. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, happy for you, Alexa. Your confidence um, shines through in your voice. It's wonderful to hear you using language like, I plan to continue to grow myself because I think... We are in a culture of perfectionism where you just a lot of people expect themselves to be perfect constantly and our parents and our employers may expect perfection, but perfection isn't realistic. None of us is perfect, but if we lean into the, the capacity we have to continually learn and grow, that's how we level up and that's when life feels uh, both, you know, easy, not easy, like simple, but there's ease to it because you're giving yourself a break. Um, and then sort of everything is possible because you know that you're growing and through greater effort and growth, you can improve and get to where you want to go in terms of your bigger goals. In terms of looking for the one, um, Rachel, yeah. First of all, a lot of people think there's a right track you're supposed to be on. Like, I need to get on the right track right now. And I'm here to say from 53 years of life, there is no right track. Okay, don't worry about that. Some people appear to be on the quotes, air, air quotes, right track. If they love that track, more power to them. But if they're just on that track because they think it's the right track, I know they will be an unhappy 35, 45 year old. So forget the right track. The right track reframed is what is the right plat path for you? That's what you're trying to figure out. Um, and there are many, many, many things that you're capable of doing in your life. And now's the time to start exploring. Now is the time to start exploring. Join our conversation and tell us what you're thinking about as you figure out the next right move. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. But whatever you do, stay with us. You're listening to Forum and I'm Rachel Myro. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. You're listening to Forum, and I'm Rachel Myro, and we're talking about entering the job market in 2021 with Matthew Stevenson, CEO of Snag a Job, a job search platform focused on early on hourly work, and Julie Lithcott Hames, former dean of freshman and undergraduate advising at Stanford and author of Your Turn: How to Be an Adult. Um, before we let Alexa de la Parra Ramirez go, now working at Autodesk after completing the Year Up program at Diablo Valley College. Let's ask Alexa one last question. What's advice you would give other young people at this point in their lives? The advice I would give is to not give up. It's okay to not know what your next step is. And you don't know what opportunities will present themselves until you take until you like really look around and to take those opportunities. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for questions. Be confident in yourself, but also be humble enough to take advice from others. That's beautiful advice. Thank you, Alexa. This is, that was great. Um, so why don't we go to one of our first calls, John in San Luis Obispo. Hi there. Hi. What's your story? So I am um, a couple years out of college now, going on about three, and I'm trying to make a move sort of from one field to another. I was working in kind of education-related jobs. I was a health educator. I actually taught sex ed for near on two years. I really liked it, but I'm looking to move towards, I'm actually quite curious about the legal field. And that's kind of a job where it's, it feels like it's a bit hard to break in. I'm throwing out a lot of applications, but a lot of times they want, you know, prior experience as a, you know, legal assistant or paralegal per se. Do you have advice for folks who are kind of trying to make a lateral move into another, another field in their careers early on? That's a great question. Matthew, you want to take that one on? Yeah, I think it's always important because I, I hear this a lot. Uh, and heard it a lot last year in the pandemic when a number of industries were particularly affected. And it's about like really giving thought to what are the skills that you've learned, you know, previously, and then really sort of portraying how those are applicable in your case towards the legal profession. And I think I would, I would give that a, a lot of thought. I also, you know, listen, like I wouldn't be afraid of even asking, you know, maybe, maybe asking some employers like, Hey, can I come in? you know, for a few days to shadow, just to even get a better sense of whether it even might be something that you really want to explore, sort of a low risk way of you getting, getting uh, your, your sort of bearings as to whether it is really the, the career path that you want. You know, Matthew, one of the things that we were just hearing about there, though, was, you know, law is, uh, is an, uh, an arena where there's a lot of uh, additional educational requirements. And, you know, it, it, is it a good idea, you know, when the job market is this hot to, to go in a direction that requires you to go back to school and, I don't know, study for two or four or six more years? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's obviously a very personal choice in terms of whether, whether that opportunity cost is worth it to you. You know, I, I, would, I would still suggest in, in that particular case, again, like getting an experience within the law environment, it might not necessarily be the role um, that you want, whether it be a paralegal or an actual lawyer, but getting a sense of like, 
do you like the day in day out of working in a law firm to then be able to better make a decision on is it worth the opportunity cost of investing to your point two three four years in additional education and resources to go make that happen right that that in, in my parlance is sort of a one-way door where you're putting a real investment behind it you want to at least make sure that that you're confident that it's the right decision for you Rachel, can I give John one specific piece of advice on this? For I'm a, sure. I'm a, a proud member of the California Bar, so I've been down this path. And John, what I would just say is, as you're putting feelers out, a solo practitioner in your town or a very small law firm is probably more nimble around hiring non-traditionally. So if you were to say to them, hey, I'm just trying to get a sense of the field, I'm willing to come in evenings or on weekends just to shadow somebody or be of use, how can I help? Maybe you have some extra, you know, a big case you're working on, you need an extra hand. I just like to get a sense of what y'all do and making myself available. I think a smaller uh, practice would be more of an open door for you. Mm. That's great advice. Thank you for that advice. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to another call, Megan in San Francisco. Hi. um, I I work in this lovely Silicon Valley tech startup scene um, as a recruiter slash all things people. Um, Talk to people every day about what do you do, and especially my emphasis is what do you want to do? What are what are the problems that enliven you and you wake up in the morning jumping out of bed to go solve? Um, sometimes for software engineers, it's a matter of, okay, what do these zeros and ones build? And that's all that really matters to them. Um, but I think a question that I turn to myself a lot is, you know, what, what am I figuring out? What is the problem to be solved? And is this a problem I want to be solving? And the minute I can turn around and say, you know, <laughs> this problem isn't so fun anymore. Um, that's when I know I need to find a, a new space to be with other problem solvers um, to, to be sure that my day-to-day duties feel good to me. Um, and that others that I'm working with are also motivated by solving those problems together. Thank you so much for that, Megan. You know, Julie, I'm I'm hearing uh, Megan talk about what you might call a service mindset. How can I make the world a better place as opposed to how can I become rich and famous as, as a starting question? Absolutely. Megan, I love the way you framed that. What enlivens you? I wrote that down here in my notes. And these are the kinds of conversations I would have the pleasure of having as a dean at a university asking young people these questions. It is part a service mindset, Rachel. It's how can I use my life to make my corner of the world a better place, but it's also tapping into the truth of you will be successful if you are doing work that lights you up. I firmly believe, and I talk about this in your turn, that look, you should not just do work you're good at. You have to also love it. There are too many people on the track towards something that they're good at because everyone said, oh, you're great at math. You should be a this. And so there they are. But if they don't also love it, they feel like a robot in their own lives. And I am here to say we are not robots. We are humans. And you ought to be able to discern what am I good at and what do I love? And let me find the Venn diagram intersection of that and go do that work. And I think those are the questions that Megan is getting at in her work as a uh, Silicon Valley recruiter. Well, let's go to another human now, Christopher Allum, recent UC Davis graduate. Looking for work, Christopher, are we? Uh, yeah, I am currently right now. Um, thank you for having me, by the way. Oh, for sure. What What are you looking for? 
Um, well, I studied English and I have a, also a minor in professional writing. So um, I guess I'm a writer to say the least. And uh, I'm also looking for work. Um, I mean, more specifically in roles like uh, publishing, editing, um, even radio. I've experienced at the college radio station here at Davis. Um, so I'm keeping I'm keeping the scope broad uh, as of right now. Matthew, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe KQED will be in contact with Christopher <laughs> about a job. But but the truth is, even in the best of times, uh, Christopher is looking at a pretty competitive landscape. Yeah, he, he is. And, and again, I think I think uh, something that Julie mentioned a little while ago sort of is, is apropos here, which is like a couple of things that you consider to consider, you know, to continue sort of bolstering your resume, so to speak. Like one would be, again, to approach for smaller publishing houses and firms like you're doing right now on campus. The other would be, you know, even picking up freelance writing assignments on a platform, say like an Upwork, I think it'd be a really great way of continuing to sort of build your experience set to make yourself even more marketable and attractive to sort of firms more broadly. Christopher, what what ha, what has it been like? What, where have you been looking? What kind of questions are you asking? Who are you talking to? Um, well, honestly, um, you know, the obvious avenues like, uh, say, LinkedIn or, you know, other, the other um, you know, online hiring services. Um, I've been browsing on there and that's been kind of useful. But like Matthew was saying, um, the this, this smaller public, like the smaller uh, organizations are really what I'm, I'm thinking of applying to. Um, but it's been really difficult. You know, I, I think that's been the case for a lot of people. Uh, and I really like what uh, that caller Megan just said. Uh, and we kind of discussed it a little bit, um, like finding something that you really love on top of like, just like a job, you know, so that, that's been a big struggle for me because, um, you know, obviously every kind of job or every kind of organization needs a writer of some kind. Um, but it's really a matter of like what kind of work I'll be doing that's uh, um, kind of been a big obstacle in finding new work. I would want you to be asking yourself, Christopher, what do I love writing about? What are the issues that keep me up at night? Is it an injustice of some kind? Do you love writing about kids? Do you love writing about tech? Do you love, you know, is it creative writing? Is it investigative journalism? Like, where are you in the realm of writing? You know, as a writer, the more writing you do, the better your writing will be. And if you situate yourself around the subjects or the ways of writing that light you up and continue to hone that craft, you're going to get the job you're looking for. You also are from a great university. You see Davis has a great alumni network. We ought to be leveraging that network. Reach out to alums who are in those fields and say, hey, you know, I'm a recent grad. You know, I'd love your advice. I'd love your guidance. Have informational interviews. People will give you 20 minutes of their time just for you to learn about how they made it in the field. And then they're more likely to be a reference for you or to give you the advice and guidance that will help you get to that next job. Matthew, that sounds like good advice coming from Julie. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, listen, I, I think um, just, you know, be, be aware that like for most people, networking is a difficult thing. Uh, it certainly always has been for me. But again, if you're willing to reach out, you know, whether it be to a UC Davis alumni, like, like Julie mentioned, or even, you know, writers whose blogs you like or who work at, at places that you want and just get that informational interview, people love to share their experiences. And it's, it's amazing sometimes where those can lead. Maxine writes, I just finished my freshman year at Carnegie Mellon and recently started my first internship as a software intern 
at Astro Digital, a startup that builds and operates satellites. Attending career fairs at my university has been helpful for finding opportunities. I also like reaching out to teachers, family, friends, and peers who have worked at or for companies that I want to work for, too. I've also met with career counselors at my university who help me improve my resume and answer interview questions effectively. Um, Julie, this raises an interesting point, the resume. Uh, I've heard it said many times, and I think it can't be said enough, that you can't just make a resume and send it out like shotgun approach to a gazillion companies. You've got to think about preparing a job application that says, this is why I want to work for this company doing this thing. Rachel, I have also heard that advice. I confess that is not my wheelhouse, and I'm guessing it is Matthew's, however. <laughs> Matthew? Um, yeah, I, you know, the distinction I would, would draw is, is uh, largely on the profession. So distinction being sort of white collar versus uh, blue or collar. On the blue collar side, you know, there are platforms, whether it's, whether it's a snag a job, you know, whether it's an Upwork where you have a profile, that profile really is the way for you to market yourself. Um, on the resume, you know, again, like what I often tell people is like, yes, there, there may be a couple of permutations. I wouldn't necessarily go, go overboard on that because, you know, at, at the core, what we find is, you know, 70% of what employers are looking for is common ac- across applicants, but there is some value if you're tailoring it at the industry level. Again, that's that's much more in a white collar context, though. I, I would limit yourself like don't create 10, you know, <laughs> right. create, create two or three. <laughs> two or three. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, it, it, you know, it talks about the idea of kind of focusing in on what you really want. You know, Matthew, many workers displaced by the pandemic, uh, you know, folks who might be in the middle of careers uh, found themselves, you know, thinking maybe this is an, an opportune moment to to make a shift, to think about different types of work. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I, I think we saw a tremendous amount of that, uh, you know, on our side where we saw that most acutely were in the restaurant, retail, and hospitality industries, which were really decimated. I think in, in some sense, a silver lining of the pandemic was that it opened up a lot of people's eyes to the fact of just how fungible and transferable their skill sets were in other industries. And now as we've seen sort of the rebound of the economy and job openings, they're realizing that not only do they have the opportunity to return to their previous employers or industries, but they also now have a new set of industries that previously they they may not have considered as, as being viable that they can now actually participate in. So I actually think coming out of this, a lot of people will actually recognize their marketability in a way that they previously hadn't. I'd like to share another story we we lined up from 29-year-old Sarah Ziemer of uh, Hercules. She also recently completed a program at Diablo Valley College uh, and uh, shared a story with us about deciding to switch careers and become a dental hygienist. I've been looking at the job market for dental hygienists, and it's it's a really good market right now, especially coming out of a pandemic where... um, a lot of a lot of different dental services had to be deferred until it was safe again for us to all kind of go back to normal life. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, 
it, it looks really good. So that makes me really excited. Um, and I feel like I'm going to have a lot of, um, just a lot of flexibility with where I work and what kind of hours I work. And that's just, it's an, it's a whole new concept for me. I've always been on this kind of part of the job market where I'm begging people for work. And now I feel like um, I'm joining a career where I'm not going to necessarily have to beg. <laughs> and that's going to be really exciting. <laughs> it, isn't that lovely? I mean, you know, Julie, I, I'm, what I'm hearing there, too, is is – Sometimes security, knowing that people are always going to have to get their teeth cleaned, uh, you know, maybe maybe a, a top priority for people who are looking for work. You know, uh, uh, it, it's also it is healthcare for sure, and you're dealing with people. And if you're a people person, it's a great choice for you. Uh, but but there is something about you know picking a field where where you know the the pickings are going to be easy uh, that that has appeal. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I didn't catch the speaker's name. Um, uh, oh, gosh, I'm already forgetting. Sarah, I want to say Sarah, Sarah Zemer. Yeah. Sarah, um, look, we could all hear the joy in Sarah's voice, right? I hope everybody listening who's a little bit stuck, who's a little bit unsure, who's unhappy in the job they're in, is listening to Sarah's voice because that's what we're aiming for. That sense of joy, that sense of satisfaction, that delight. Sarah has honed in on what Sarah wants. And that's what matters. Sarah wants that security. Sarah wants a career where she's not going to have to beg, as she put it. And I, I, goodness knows, I hope we all find ourselves in careers where we don't have to beg. And that security matters to her. Yes, we will always need to have our teeth cleaned and fixed. That's a job that's never going to go away. And it'll be a long time before they can outsource it to robots, I'm guessing. So good for you, Sarah. That's fantastic. Some people don't want that security. Some people want total flexibility. They want to switch jobs frequently to, to just keep things lively in their lives. And that's valid for them. Uh, again, no right track. You do you. Figure out who you are, what you want. Go get that job and be that person. Well, I want to say thank you to Christopher Allen, uh, the uh, UC Davis graduate looking for work in uh, writing. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's not always easy. You may have to beg sometimes, but, you know, if it's your passion, it's your passion. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I appreciate it. So what's your story? What's your question for Julie and Matthew? Give us a call at 866-733-6786 as we talk about trying to find a career track that works for you. 866-733-6786. You can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. I'm Rachel Myro, and you're listening to Forum. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro, and we're talking about entering or re-entering the job market in 2021 with Julie Lithcott-Hames, former dean of freshman and undergraduate advising at Stanford University and author of Your Turn, How to Be an Adult, as well as Matthew Stevenson, CEO of Snagajob, a job search platform focused on hourly work. Matthew, here's a question for you. We we heard uh, earlier some complaints about, you know, one-size-fits-all platforms like LinkedIn. How do you compete for jobs when applications seem to be all online these days? There seems to be less personal interaction. How do you overcome that sense that you're just a, you know, a small collection of zeros and ones to most companies? Yeah, I, I think the thing that I'm encouraged by, you know, whether it be LinkedIn or whether it be snag a job or even the upworks of the world is that increasingly the way that you differentiate yourself is through the profile and through you know ratings and reviews that you actually might get at previous employers and that's starting to build not only sort of you know your skills and qualifications which employers care about but also sort of the composite of who you are and is it allowing people frankly in some cases you know in segments of the labor market that have historically not been able to charge a premium for their services to really differentiate themselves. And so I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic about, you know, what, what is happening now and really what the future holds for those that are coming into the job market over the next few years. Well, we've, we've got another job hunter on the line, Maisie Menzies, uh, 2020 UC Berkeley graduate. Uh, Maisie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So, so tell me, where are you now and what are you looking to do? Um, right now, I'm located in Los Angeles. Um, I just moved from San Francisco, um, but I'm working in the entertainment industry at a talent agency. So these are boom times. Are, are you find Are you finding you've got your pick of jobs, or is it still so competitive because it is Hollywood after all? I think right out of college, I had a really hard time finding because everything was shutting down, as we all know. Um, but now, as things are starting to progress, and there's like this boom of entertainment, television, and people being able to go back to work, I think there are like more jobs out there. But it's definitely hard to find it. Well, I, it looks like Maisie's having a little uh, problem there with the Zoom connection. So why don't we go to the phones next, and Daniel in Humboldt. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, we can hear you. What's your story? Thanks for having me on. Um, You know, so I actually did AmeriCorps in 2019 after about six years. You know, I had graduated also from UC Berkeley, and I was kind of bopping around different jobs, thinking I wanted to do something, and then pivoting and doing something else. And, um, I had met a bunch of people that were doing AmeriCorps service terms and volunteering in the education field. And I just kind of felt like, wow, this is a really nice kind of step for us 
out of college to do something of service to the community and also kind of figure things out. And even though I was six years out of college, I decided I would still do it. And what was amazing about my experience is that having work experience and then going into a setting where I was saying, so I'm here to learn because I don't work in, I mean, my volunteer experience was in a, a public health setting. We were, you know, working for the opioid coalition, but, um, you know, I didn't have any public health experience and I was there to learn. And it was amazing kind of being put in a position to where the folks would say, all right, sweet. We want you to learn. We're going to throw you into the fire. And after about a year of that, they offered me the job and they wanted me to continue working. And so that was just kind of a, a really fun thing, like fun experience, because I also found what, what I was passionate about. And it all came from like choosing the right volunteer experience. What a terrific story, Daniel. Thank you for sharing that. Julie, this really speaks to making the most of any job, any experience, uh, gleaning from it, not just not just your destiny, your career focus, but but understanding who you are and, and what you want from work. That's exactly right. I think what we do for work ultimately can be a deeply personal, intimate experience. Um, I, I mean, to say, by that I mean to say, what Daniel wants for Daniel is valid, just as I said to Sarah and to any young person who's really found delight and joy in the work they're doing. They're basically figuring themselves out. Daniel bopped around, as he put it, which I loved, and went to AmeriCorps a little later than some. No worries. That was what worked for Daniel, and Daniel made the most of it. It was service to the community, figured himself out. They threw him into the fire, as he put it, and he loved it. And then they offered him a job. This is how this is how people get jobs. This is how people find their passion. It's a myth. We have this myth that you're supposed to have your passion figured out by the time you apply to college. No, 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 no. Many of us have not figured out our passion until we've had a series of jobs from which we learned about ourselves um, and learned about the world of work. And then finally, we're able to say in our late 20s, into our 30s, maybe into our 40s, okay, this, this is what I want to be doing. And that's totally normal. We've got Maisie back on the line. Maisie, are you there? Yes. Hi. Sorry about that. So, so you know, one of the things I'm curious uh, to ask you is, you know, a lot of people want to work in entertainment. You know, they think, oh, wow, that that's the ticket. You know, that's where I'm going to find, you know, creative fulfillment. Um, has it been that for you? Have you been surprised by what you found going in this new direction? I mean, it's very, like, early days for me. Um, I'm still kind of learning the ropes of things, but I do think that it is a great space for, like, uplifting voices and finding ways to get interesting stories out there, which is really what, like, is important to me. So I definitely think it is, like, a creative field, but there's also, it's got its own problems of, you know, being very corporate and stuff like that as well. So you get a mix. That's interesting. You hear from a lot of uh, corners, wow, it's super competitive. It's who you know. It's what your last project was. Uh, But these days, it is also, in some circumstances, very, very corporate. Yeah, there's definitely kind of a move towards 
things being run by streaming services themselves um, and kind of the artistic nature of it losing a little bit of its strength. But I do think where that is happening, there's also pockets of the industry that are really pushing for like individual and unique voices that haven't had their chance to like shine yet that are coming out. So. Well, I'm so glad you you got back on the line with us. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, next guys, we we've got a comment from Eve who who maybe throwing a little cold water on our conversation by saying, "I find the advice of do what you love to be unrealistic and somewhat privileged for a lot of people. People should not feel like a failure if they are doing a good." job at a job that pays the bills and affords them a rich life outside of work. Uh, Thoughts on that, Julie? Yeah, a lot of thoughts on that. Eve, thank you for throwing cold water on the conversation. I don't, I, I completely agree with you. There is privilege inherent in the concept of do what you love. There are plenty of people who are like, I can't do what I love. I got to pay the bills. But I am here kind of in the in between those two uh, ends of the binary to say, you know what, I think it is actually I think we have more control than we realize. And I'm going to give you an example. It is completely unaffordable to live in the San Francisco Bay Area, for example, for many young people. Let's just say that it's a truth. It's unfortunate. It's the way things are. It's out of our control, largely. And I would say to any young person who's like, hey, I grew up here, but I can't afford a job here. I would say you have two choices. You can either take that job that you don't really like, but that will pay the bills so that you can live here and then hope you, you know, accumulate enough wealth so that you can one day be happy. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to take myself off to a region of the country that is really welcoming of young people. If you were to Google right now, great places to work or live for young people, young professionals, recent college grads, um, you will find a lot of terrific lists that list American cities that have an affordable quality of life, a lot of high quality life for young people um, and jobs. Okay. So do that work and figure out where the affordable um, cities are and then Google um, great places to work. This is all about company culture. Okay. You're going to find cities you're excited to live in. Then you're going to go Google great places to work and find companies worth working for And then you might make a decision to go transplant yourself to that place. It may sound like you're giving up. I don't think so. I think it's living forward. These are all climate-friendly decisions as well. Let's get away from the coast. Let's move to the places that are more affordable and are less susceptible um, to climate change. So I think big moves are afoot. And I think younger millennials are going to be the ones and Gen Zs to make them. Any thoughts on that, Matthew? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, you know, snag a job. We serve you know, 6 million people a month looking for the right fit work, uh, an overwhelming number of those, frankly, are, are underemployed and their, their, their primary goal is to make ends meet. Um, what I would tell you time and time again is in a lot of the industries that hire, you know, people who are looking to make ends meet who often are, are working hourly jobs is that they often discover passion and they, they find the right fit role, right? Like how many stories do you hear of, person who started as a dishwasher in a restaurant, working their way up to assistant manager, manager, regional manager, one day opening up their own restaurant. Like there, there are countless stories of that. And I think it's, it's something that Julie mentioned at the beginning, all too often there's this stigma of being on the right or wrong track. I, I think that's a huge miss for us, right? The reality is there are countless roles that not only will provide ends meet, but could actually be really fascinating in terms of the people you work with across a broad cross-section 
of society, as well as giving you the skill set to frankly, like start your own business, right? Like, let's say you went and worked in landscaping and you had a passion for working outdoors. Well, landscaping is an amazing area where you can actually start your own landscaping business one day. And so I think that's just the point around, like, there are different paths for different people, all that can still lead to the same outcome of fulfillment long-term in your life. There just may be different goals. While you're paying the bills, all of that. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myrowin for Mina Kim. Well, I think we've got time for at least one other call. Why don't we go now to Hillary? Hi, um, my name is Hillary. I'm in Davis. I'm actually in a different position than most of your callers. I'm a 50-year-old stay-at-home mom who's now getting an emptier nest, thinking about going back to work. And the, the prospect of writing a resume is terrifying to me, having not ever worked full-time for over 20 years. So I was wondering if your guests had any advice about where to get guidance about writing a resume for someone who the last time they wrote one, email was not even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew? Yeah, so, so a couple of things to, to give you confidence. One, again, is, is you know, as you're thinking about reentering the workforce, now is the best time uh, that you could ever think about applying. So number one is that. Number two is um, actually workers over the age of 50, at least an hourly, is the single largest growing segment. So you are not alone. And I hear from countless employers that increasingly they're saying, hey, actually, how do I attract people who are re-entering, who either are re-entering the workforce after a long period or who may have even been semi-retired? So again, you know, have confidence going in. And again, it's, it's similar in some respect to, you know, what you may hear for a first-time seeker, which is like, think about the experience in the intervening years. Like, what are things that you have learned that you think could be applicable Right. You've probably had to do a lot of you know, project management. You probably had to do a lot of you learned a lot around like perseverance, around service orientation that are incredibly applicable skills. The other just like very tactical thing that I would sometimes do is I might actually like leave some of the years out on your resume. Uh, you know, I hate to okay. sometimes admit that, but I, I actually think that that can be a pretty good thing that I've seen work for people who are reentering. And so you actually include some of your past roles, but just don't put the years. And if somebody really asks, you can share it. Matthew, a, a question okay. here, you know, like, should Hillary be doing things like thinking about how to describe uh, what she has done as a mom in terms that might make sense for an employer? Like she's a project manager, right? She's no, maintained no. calendars and schedules and, you know. Yeah, no, no that's, that's absolutely right, right? I mean, like, there are think about like the character the the skills that employers are looking for and how many of those you have exhibited just in the last ten or twenty years right in terms of like just having to manage what I'm sure is a, a a chaotic household if it's anything like ours like that requires a lot of perseverance a lot of diligence and coordination and project management. You know, you've had to be, you know, maybe you volunteered at your kid's schools, you know, that also shows a service orientation. And so you can start to build a composite around that, that I think will be really attractive for people. And I think people recognize the value, frankly, that people reentering the workforce bring. I hear it from a lot of our employers who now are saying, hey, this is a segment I actively want to recruit. Beautifully put. Well, Hillary, you've got your marching orders. Good luck out there. Um, I think we have time for one more call. Why don't we try Natalia in Santa Barbara? 
Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to respond to the person who made the comment about that it's a luxury or a privilege to be able to do what you love. And I have been working with at-risk and um, underprivileged women in Santa Barbara, which is a very high cost of living area for a very long time. I've also taught at university and in trade schools. And um, so I've seen the gamut. I came from a working class family where we did have monetary problems. And um, I have actually seen it. It does take a lot of work and it is not easy sometimes to make that shift from paying bills, especially when rent is so high and cost of living is so high in many places. It is possible. And, I, and I've seen it happen very successfully and it's incredibly rewarding. Um, but also I think the bigger hurdle is some kind of impression that we should be doing something or that, oh, no, you should, what are you doing starting your own business, doing whatever fantastic thing it is that you love doing and that you're really good at and that you, you want to bring to people or why are you doing that? And just the criticism from outside is, is a huge hurdle. So I'd like to encourage people to, you know, continue to follow your passions. That's a very good point, Natalia. And I, Julia, I, I guess so, yeah. sometimes everybody, you know, whether whether you're young and it's your parents leaning on you or older mm-hmm. and other other family members or friends, sometimes you, you have to really listen to inside what's happening for you inside. Natalia, absolutely. Rachel, absolutely. Look, I call this the cacophony in our heads, the noise in our heads of other people's expectations of what we should be and do, what we ought to be and do, what people like us are suited for. To heck with that. I'm on the radio. I won't say what I really think. To <laughs> heck with that. This is a family that. program. <laughs> Listen for your own voice. The older you get, the more agency you have, the more you can crowd out the noise of other people's limited expectations or just um, um, inaccurate expectations of what you should be and do. This is your one wild and precious life. I'm quoting the late poet Mary Oliver, and it is yours to do with as you will. Well, what a wonderful thought. Any last final words? Just a few of them, Matthew? Yeah, again, I, I think um, a couple of themes that I would just reemphasize, like one, now is the time to be applying to your dream job. Like this is a fantastic job market for you if you're a teen or first time job seeker. And then the other one, which I think we've talked about as a theme throughout is like, be willing to explore and go in with a, a mindset of just wanting to learn. And if you do those, like great things will happen. Great things will happen. Well, thank you so much for setting us off on the right path. Matthew Stevenson and Julie Lithcott-Hames. I'm Rachel Myro, and you've been listening to Forum. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.